Well, we tried the whole end of season break thing, but we just couldn't keep away. And with that said, we are back to discuss all things from the world of AFCRD with the help of a very special guest. This is the Russian Ranting Podcast. My name is Joseph McCormack. And as always, I'm joined by Ollie Mortimer and Scott Stapley. No Alex Raspin, unfortunately. We are hopeful he'll be joining us for the next one. Uh, but how are you both doing, gents? Doing great for Joseph, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. How about you, Ollie? Yeah, really well, thanks. Here's your thoughts this episode. Should be a really good one. Well, a couple of things to touch on before we head into the episode. I suppose we could link them into one because it concerns two significant player departures. Uh, Liam Dolman and Alex Collard have contributed so much to Diamonds over the years. They were here for eight and four seasons, respectively. But the two defenders have decided that now is the time to move on. They have both left AFC Rushton and Diamonds. And of course, they go with all of our best wishes. But Scott, it's sad to see them go, isn't it? Because they've both had a huge impact in their own ways. Yeah, you know, great players. Um, they've been with the club a long time, especially Liam, who, you know, I think I can't his second. He's, he's either joint second or, he, no, I think he's joint second on the all-time um, goal scorers list, to give you an idea about how well he's done with the club for a centre-back in the goal-scoring department. Um, he's been a rock at the back since 2014, when he first came into the club. I remember at the time, a lot of people were thinking, OK, can he, you know, well, who's he? What can he do? And, um, you know, he proved, he always proved, he's always proved out as one wrong um i wish him all the best um alex collard again it's just a shame we couldn't have had him for those those last few games but again he's another one who's had a great time with us at the club he's developed um obviously always a threat in the box great in the air and again we wish him well and we also had the news that scott carlin affectionately known as biff who's had roles in the first team and the academy uh, has left the club after 10 years to become the manager of step five side Cook no United and Ollie he's been a real part of the furniture at our football club hasn't he so it's only right we save a word for his contribution over the years a great coach and an even better bloke absolutely yeah he was woven into the fabric of the club in many ways you know when you think of AFC Russian and Diamond it's one of the, the first names that you know came to mind he did so much work not just with the first team but with you know with the with the academy as well and so with the amount of time he dedicated to that um, and like I say he was always such a a lively presence around as well. He must have been such a, a great person to have in the changing room in terms of being a motivating force um, and driving people and staff to be the best that they can be in themselves as well. So, yeah, wish him all the very best. Um, you know, it, it's a good role that he's, he, he's gone on to. be very weird to see him on the other side of the dugout, um, you know, but very soon in the, in the Hillier Cup. But, um, yeah, wish him all the best. He's been such a fantastic person for the club uh, and we can't thank him enough for that just want to say something on top of that as well um i think he's actually the last probable linked football link to the frapston game from the from, a, from the coaching and playing staff from that first game um could be wrong i probably get told he wasn't at the game but i think i'm pretty sure he was um so i mean that's another link gone but again it's all about looking to the future um he's done a great he's had a great time here um he's done really Obviously, he's been an important part of coaching staff of Mark Starman and Andy Peaks going up through the leagues to step three. And yeah, we wish him all the best um, for his challenge at Cookman United. Well, it's going to be a very intriguing summer as we head into this new era, if you like. But who better to dissect it with than the Diamonds manager himself? Today, we'll be speaking to Andy Burgess, who's heading into his first full season as the Diamonds manager. And we'll be discussing all sorts of things from the end of last season to how the preparations are going ahead of the new campaign. So let's not keep you waiting any longer. Let's get straight into it. This is Andy Burgess on Russian and Ranting, the official podcast of AFC Rushton and Diamonds. Andy, welcome to the Russian and Ranting podcast. It's great to have you on with us this evening. How are you keeping at the moment? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Busy, busy time. Um, exciting time, lots happening, lots of phone calls, lots of uh, lots of discussions with lots of different people. But uh, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, really good, thank you, Burge. Great to have you on and thank you for joining us uh, this evening. Yeah, doing very well, thanks, Burge. Yeah, doing very well, thanks. We've got a fair bit to get through today. I mean, we only spoke to you last week and yet so much has happened since then. But before we come to the present, 
let's take things back to the past by a few months and just sort of recap the back end of the season. It obviously ended in disappointment on that final day, but how much have you enjoyed being in charge of AFC Russian Diamonds so far? Yeah, it's been fantastic. It's been um, it's been an experience already. Um, loads and loads of real good things have gone on. Loads of positives to take from the period of, you know that I've been in the football club. Uh, I've learned a hell of a lot about a hell of a lot of things. Um, I feel I feel in a really good place at the minute. I know, as you said, there's lots going on and there's lots of things happening. But what what I under you know what I know and what I know that people are are doing and working on and the conversations that I've had with, with, you know, a whole host of people have been, uh, have all been really positive. And uh, yeah, it's, it's been, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, we, at the end of the season probably didn't quite go to plan in terms of getting over the line and getting in those playoffs. Um, we did everything we possibly can to try and achieve that. We had lots of things go against us. And I, and I, as you know, I, I don't like, making excuses or, or or pointing fingers at things, but lots out of our control uh, in terms of injuries and, and people leaving the club and, and, and certain, certain things sort of transpired a little bit against us. And in the end, we, we came up a little bit short. Uh, as I say, we gave it a best shot to finish outside the playoffs uh, on goal difference. Having seen where the club was in, in probably October, I think took everybody by surprise and, um, I think was probably viewed by everybody in the cold light of day as being a, uh, you know, being a positive finish and being a, a, you know, a strong season. So, you know, there was again lots to take from from the campaign and and I, listen, twelve games you know, going in and overseeing twelve games made me so much more educated about the squad than if I came in now. You know, if I came in now, I wouldn't know half of what I wouldn't know everything that I know now. Basically, you know. Um, so that's a huge positive and I understand where gaps are in the squad I understand about every individual in the squad and I've understood about every staff member and what, where we needed to be better there and, and we're addressing everything and we're working on everything and we're you know putting every 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 effort in because how what we do now and I said to my staff today what we do now and the efforts that we make now and the steps that we take and the sacrifices and the, the you know what we do now is sets standards in good stead and sets us up for the next nine, 10 months. So the work now is huge because it will allow us to be in a really good place. I believe on August the 6th. So yeah, um, it's been, it feels like I've been at the club for, for 12 years again. Um, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been great. Um, and, and, and I'm really excited about the future. And even in your short time in charge, you've overseen some great games. That first win against Hennesford stands out. And of course, that late win over at Lowestoft. But what have been your favourite moments in charge? Yeah, those two. Obviously, Nathan's free kick at Lowestoft took some, would take take some beating. Um, huge, you know, incredible moment. Uh, not, not, you know, if we'd have scored from a yard out, it would have been great. But, in, you know, the fashion the free kick was taken in and the... The situation that we we found ourselves in, and uh, and everything considered, um, that was a phenomenal moment, I think, and uh, I, that probably is is a standout moment. But I think the overhead kick from Jordan Graham, you know, when you're a manager and you you bring a player into the football club who you you rave about and you speak about highly, and 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 you sort of hang your hat on and say to people, listen, if you know if you if we trust this lad and we believe in this lad and we get this lad fit he can do good things for us. And then to see him on his first start, you know, score that over a kick was a special moment for me and, 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 and you know, a special moment for Jordan as well. So probably those two moments will stand out. Um, you know, there's, as you say, there's bit, there, there was some good games some some disappointing games. The cup final would, would be part of that. I thought, you know, at one stage in the, in the second half, it was sort of nip and tuck and it could go either way. Um, and that was a, dis- a huge disappointment. Um, but lots to lots to think about. Lots of you know we've been watching some clips today of games from the season, um, and and the, you know there's so many positives in terms of we've got good players at this football club, and uh, you know so much now is about trying to retain as many as we can and the ones that we want to retain, um, and all our efforts are on you know in, in that at the moment. But yeah, I'd say you know to answer your question, Nathan's free kick, Jordan's overhead kick were the two standout moments. I think just on based on that, Andy, actually, I think you probably had quite, it's quite fair to say with the amount of injuries and that, and obviously the changes in the squad when, when the situation came in, it's probably been a very, very challenging thing for you to get first of all get yourself 
um, settled and also then obviously to manage the squad towards the end of the season, given all the upheaval they've had. Um, obviously, Pixie going and then also Tydeek and then also, as we just said, um, the injuries. Yeah, um, you know, sort of the two weeks leading up to me coming into the club that, you know, the lads, the squad had had a lot of trauma to deal with. You know, Andy had been at the club for eight, nine years um, as, as manager and uh, had obviously brought every footballer, every every player into the football club. Um, obviously, preceding that or, or after that, sorry, preceding me coming in, Ty Deacon, who had played such a huge part in the uh, in, in the upturn in, in, in the season, uh, had left the club. Ravi Shamsi, who I've never seen kick a ball, but um, you just look at his figures and his stats and his data to tell you how important he was to the squad. Um, you know, to, to take those type of players out is a huge, you know, is a huge trauma. And uh, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you you lose, you lose your, your captain to, to, to the hand injury and, and Ryan Hughes and Matt Slynn. And, you know, the, we're not talking about sort of picking up uh, injuries for, I know, that are going to be out for a couple of weeks. We're talking about, you know, injuries or injuries or people that left the club for the most of the rest of the season. So, you know, all, all clubs have things to deal with like that, and all you know, all managers have to to overcome hurdles and things that that, that you know aren't aren't great. But we seem to have in the twelve weeks and and the, and the two weeks before I came in, seem to have a hell of a lot to to try and manoeuvre. And uh, it, you know, it's a really difficult time to recruit at that point. Um, obviously, Jordan hadn't played for eighteen months, and um, you know, came in and, and was evidently not physically fit. But we we decided that. You know, we between sort of the, the two months that he was in, we were never going to get him 100% fit. So we thought, you know, let's chuck him in, and and he scored those two goals on his on his full debut, and um, and he was fantastic for us. But to recruit um, elsewhere and to recruit other, you know, in other areas was really really difficult, and uh, and we were up against it. We did try, you know, we knew there was areas of the of the group we needed to improve upon, and um, and we we weren't quite ready to do that. That said. Because of the, you know the, the squad had done so well through the season, and we're in a good place. We again, it was a it was a sort of balancing act that you know we didn't want to disrupt too much. In hindsight, you know I was so close to bringing a centre half in, and then I felt you know with Alex Bully and, and Bushy back there who who could have done the job. Um, we were okay there as it was. Uh, obviously, after the deadline, Alex and uh, and Bushy were out for a number of weeks, and and therefore you sh- you forced him to move in Bushy and move in Paddy, and yeah, you you know we had to deal with a lot, and it, it was it was unfortunate, and it was um it was a little bit disruptive, but um again we gave it our best, the lads gave it everything they had, and uh, and we tried to to negate those those issues as best we could. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't realise obviously that there is obviously you're coming in, you're trying to get your head around you know what, what everybody can do with the squad and that. And then obviously there's that deadline right at the end of March when you're trying to get players in. So then you kind of sort of, I, mean, I suppose that becomes even more of a challenge. But obviously now you've got that familiarity, which makes it a lot easier. So it's sort of like it's all about the timing wasn't ideal for when you had to take over as well in those circumstances. But even then it's sort of, I mean, I'm thinking back on some of the games and I think there's been little things, little moments in games, which if they'd gone a little bit differently would have changed the outcome. And it would have been the difference between obviously us getting that playoff place or, and which we obviously never did in the end. So you know, it's funny how we were very, even with all that, we were so, we were very, very close to achieving what we were looking to achieve at the end of the season. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Yeah, you, you know, you can look back over everything and, and see certain, certain certain situations and certain instances where you think, you know, if only if we'd have done that differently, if we'd have done, you know, this differently, it would have been a completely um, different story. But, you know, football's not like that. And unfortunately, you know, hindsight is a great thing. And, um, you know, I can go back over games where, you know, Tamworth were 2 0 up and I felt in control. And the, the first goal was really, really soft. And the second goal wasn't much, you know, we sort of we, we handed to him on a plate almost. So you can go through every game that we drop points and probably identify areas and, and things and goals that we conceded should have done better and could have done better. And, um, you know, all we can do is, as I've said all along, all we can do is learn from those those errors, learn from them individually identify what as a management team why they happened and what happened and how we can help the players not make it happen again not let it happen again I think we, we needed to do better in so many games stopping crosses and defending crosses into our box and set pieces became an issue towards the end of the season so there's loads we could look back on but as you say 
listen, no, no, no. It's very unusual that a manager goes into a job and everything's perfect. That you know, I came into this job and the club were fifth. That was a huge, you know, that was a huge sort of uh, positive about it. Um, you know, the negatives were, as you say, the you know the deadline was quite close and things like that. But overall, you know, I felt we. We were we were we were well shaped to to continue the push. I thought again we gave it our best shot. I know we you know we lost the last two games, but if you take those away, you know I think we'd only lost one game between taking over. We hadn't won that many, but we you know had some some draws where we you know we should have perhaps held on and we should have won games. So we could sit here all night long and and, and sort of dissect the, the final twelve games, let alone the rest of the season. Um, but again, it's just. It's just a case of, of of identifying those issues, making sure that they don't, uh, you know, happen again, and um, and try and, you know, build a squad capable of uh, and making sure those the the gaps that we had and the 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 cover that we had and the um, the things that happened, we're, we're well well equipped to deal with next season. I think you hit upon a really good point, Andy, because you mentioned about um, trauma, not just when you first came in with the upheaval of Peetsy leaving and Deacon leaving, like Scott's mentioned, obviously the injuries that you've mentioned as well, but the actual end of the season. Um, but what what really struck me um, and I thought characterised your style of management and your style of person as well, but even in that post-match interview after the Nuneaton game where you know everyone's desolate and down, uh, understandably so, um, and obviously including yourself, you was looking ahead to next season already. It's not as if, you know, you was kind of looking back or, you know, trying to have a few weeks of trying to kind of come to terms with it. You know, you was, I think you said, you, you know, Sunday morning, you were straight on with preparations for the new season, which I, I thought was fantastic. And it's always about looking ahead, isn't it? Yeah, I think the thing with football and the thing I was always taught by the, you know, the managers I play for was you can't change what's gone on. You, you know, we, we at five o'clock on that Saturday against Nuneaton, we couldn't go back and change what had happened. So there's no, whilst you have to, you have to uh, debrief and you have to identify weaknesses and you have to identify strengths and things that get, you know, get your goals and things that, uh, you know, contribute to conceding goals. There's no point in 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 getting too down, you know. And there's no we couldn't change that. So at five o'clock in the dress in the in the staff dressing room after that non eating game, we had a long chat. Um, you know, two of the staff members are gone now, but long chat about their feelings and my feelings about who we'd like to retain and areas we need to to strengthen. So it's football is about looking forward. It's about um, you know trying to trying to trying to be better than what you were trying to improve trying to you know myself I said to the players after every game you know I'll go away and I'll I'll look at myself before anything else and see what else I could have done differently or or what I need to change next week because I'm far from you know the finished article miles from it I never will be you know I'm I'm all for you know self um self learning and improving myself and if I can do that and if I hold my hands up and say what I did today wasn't good enough then the players need to do that as well, and the players should should do that. So, yeah, football for me isn't about looking back. Okay, you know, I know it's cheesy, I know it's a cliche, but you know that L, although it is for losing, that L is about learning, and you learn a lot more about your squad and your players and the people around you when the chips are down. I, I honestly feel that, um, and 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 the, and what I learned in those two and a half months and those twelve games will be absolutely massive going into next season. And uh, I'm delighted that I had that opportunity to, to work with the boys over those those two months, two and a half months. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a bit between my teeth. I have been since Nuneaton, five o'clock after Nuneaton game, ready and raring to go and, and preparing for next season. Just continuing to look at your way of management, Burge, a lot of the players have been very complimentary about the level of professionalism you've brought to the club, whether that's to do with the training or the match analysis that you've brought in. Is that something that you've always been about, something that you felt needed implementing, perhaps? 100%. I, you know, I, I find it amazing how, how managers can, can genuinely uh, look back at a game without watching it back because... When you set stood on the touchline and, and the emotions are high and you, you miss so much and you don't, you know, you look at a goal that you concede and 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 it's 
50 yards away and there's 30 players, well, not 30 players, but there's 20 players in between you and the goal. And, and you, you don't, you can't see what happens. You don't know the build up to, you know, and, and to be able to on a Sunday afternoon, sit down and, and, and in the cold light of day, watch that game back and, and be able to properly identify areas that were of a weakness and identify things that weren't quite right. And, and it's not all about negatives. It's about the positives as well. It's about seeing things that were good, seeing things that worked well, seeing things about, you know, you stood on a Saturday afternoon. You're not looking at, you're not particularly, well, particularly looking at relationships between a left back and a left midfielder. It's two centre forwards. You're looking at how many goals they score. You're looking at the big picture. I think when you sit and and watch the game back, and you're looking at those finer details and those things that that you you don't have the opportunity to take in on a match day. So I find it amazing how our managers can't use that and don't use that. But that's that's that's, that's, that's completely up to them. My point of view is I think that's vital. The um, you know that that side of things. I think it's vital that on a on a Tuesday you then identify to the players what. What you've seen, um, sometimes not not everything. Sometimes a little snippet. Sometimes individually. Sometimes in a small group. Sometimes in a big group. Everybody, everything I did, most of the things I did this season, towards the end of the season, were were done in in the large group, in a squad, um, with the, with the whole squad. Um, but but that's just for me. That's that's huge. You know, we did that 20 years ago with you know with Brian at, at Rushton. He, you know, we had meetings on the Monday morning where he'd you know, identified there wasn't analysis then, it wasn't clipping games, it was fast forward and stop and pause and things like that. Obviously it's it's uh it's developed now into being able to and Dominic who's come on board in terms of the performance analyst is fantastic in terms of being able to just clip up the game and you know after the game I say to him, Dom, can you put a clip together of all the defending corners that we did and and you know within a, an hour I've got all the defending corners on one clip I press play and I'm able to, to sit and watch it. That's absolutely invaluable and that for me is 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 how you should do things and how you you develop a team and how you develop individuals um so that's something that we're going to only you know to, to this morning you know we we spoke or um josh who's our, our head of uh, head of recruitment identified a center half we had a look back through we actually played against us at the end of the season in one of the games that we had i said to dom can you go back on vo and um and clip all the clips from from uh, his actions, every action he did in the game. You know, this afternoon I, I pressed a button and I put it on the telly and, and I sat and watched all his actions from the game. That's 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 fantastic. That's that's proper. That's how it should work. You know, to, for us to have a head of head of recruitment and have a a head of, of performance and, and sorry, a head of uh, analysis and head of uh, uh, recruitment analysis is is fantastic. And it's so. It filters things. It helps me massively. It takes a huge, you know. Josh comes to me with, um, with this player, that player, but he knows it's within the profile of a player that I want. You know, as a manager, if I didn't have that, everything would come into me, and I'd be having players left, right, and centre who, who, who don't fall into my profile. So to to be able to signpost them to Josh as head of recruitment, who who can then say, look, listen, he doesn't fall within our remit. He doesn't fall within our profile. We're not interested. Uh, Gafford, you know, this lad's come on the radar. Is this, this, this? Did we play against? Yes, we did. Dominic, can you clip his? Yeah, no problem. Bank. That's the recruitment process. And that's how, that's how a proper football club works. That's how a professional football club works. That's how I worked as head of recruitment for Mansfield. You know, we, we, that, that, that's, that's what I'm used to. So I'm used to it. So I'm bringing it into this football club. Listen, our resources and what we're able to do is, is limited. You know, I had, the analysis we did last season, I bought a projector, I bought a, a big screen and I put it in the in the dressing room at Malcolm Arnold Academy and we all shuffled into a little room and we and we looked in it and we watched it. But it was invaluable and it's it's, it's I believe that's you know we'll, we'll we'll lean on that heavily this year. We'll do that heavily. The the players don't want to be sat there for an hour watching the game. I get that and that's not what's going to happen. Everything will be done for a reason um, and for the benefit of the players. It's not. It's not for my ego to say, you know, you know, I've done this for you boys. It's it's to help the players and help us as a group. So the professionalism side to me comes naturally because I had I had seven years playing under Brian Talbot, Rushton Diamonds, where on a daily basis, if your standard wasn't adhered to, you're not in the team. And that's what I that's what I'm used to. And that had success with Brian. Um so that was ingrained at me from from eighteen to twenty-four. Um well, from 16 to 24 when Brian was at the club and 
uh, and that'll be something that I'll always I'll always believe is the right way to run a football club. Just interesting, obviously, touching on the video analysis because since obviously I've got involved with obviously taking it to matches and obviously taking it to away matches since you you were appointed. The number of clubs which are now going down that route at this level, whereas about four or five years ago you weren't seeing any of it. And obviously, what you've just touched on when it was when you were under Brian Tolbert when you were doing it with a you know a video record a video um, twenty years ago, how things come full circle now. But it's sort of like it's not just obviously as you just said it gives you an advantage, but everybody else is doing it. If you don't do it, you're going to end up losing. You end up falling behind very very quickly. I mean, the number of clubs which bring it to our to our stadium, you know, to Hayden Roads. It's just incredible. I think it's only probably about a handful which I haven't seen actually bring a VO, mm. which is that, which if anybody's not seen it, is that green thing on the pole. Um, so our matches is pretty much probably a couple maybe. Yeah, and the VO takes it to another level because you don't have to have a fella stood behind the the camera uh, moving it and, and filming the game. So that takes it, as I say, um, that takes the ability to be able to do it um, absolutely onto the next level and the height you can get with it, et cetera, et cetera, is brilliant. And Dominic doesn't need to come to our games, although um, it's good when he does because he sees it with his own eyes before then relaying it on the, or watching it again on the video. But uh, yeah, it's, it's again, for me, it's something that is a no brainer. It's something that the VO system is, is brilliant in terms of his interface and it's, and it's usability. Um, I'm delighted the club have got it. And it's, um, it's something that will, We'll use as much as we possibly can this season through pre-season, through through home and away. Uh, as you know, as you have just said, you know, uh, the first thing I was told about it was nobody could could take it to away games, and and you know, it's, it's no good just watching games home games back. We have to be able to sure. to watch away games back, and um, you know, I, I don't think Nathan would have forgiven me if I'd have forgotten it for the uh, uh, for the for the um, lowest off games. So that was a, another bonus. Okay. Looking ahead to next season then, Burge, I remember when um, we did your first interview, we, we spoke about style of play and you, you said you'd like to be entertaining, that you had your own vision. And now that you've got that full pre-season ahead of you, is, is that going to be a part of your focus now to start implementing those ideas on the playing side of things? Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, I changed the shape, obviously, of the team three or four games in because I felt we didn't have that ability to hold the ball up and, and retain possession high enough up the pitch and, and we didn't score enough goals from open play. So, you know, I went from a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-3-3 to a 4-4-2 because I believe two centre forwards uh, make a huge difference at this level. Uh, but yeah, 100% uh, in terms of my style of play and my, my, my philosophy, if you like, about how you play football um, will be implemented in pre-season and the, the recruitment will be based on that. You're a little bit limited in terms of recruitment. You know, I think Jurgen Klopp, you know, has the ability to say, well, I'm not going to sign a centre forward who who can't press from the front. You know, might if I was offered a centre forward who scored 50 goals and couldn't press from the front, I'd have to take him because I need the 50 goals over the pressing from the front. So I have to be adaptable a bit in terms of my style. I'm I'm really open-minded as a manager to the to the system in terms of shape. Um, I do like two centre forwards and I, you know, so, so that, that'll play a part, but, you know, I'm really open in terms of three, five, two, four, four, two, um, you know, four, two, four, three, one, two, you know, I, I'm adaptable and I'm open. A diamond in midfield is, is something that I'm interested to look at, but it, it really comes down to recruitment. You know, if we sign, two other strong centre halves to play with Ryan Hughes, then why would we not go with a four with a three at the back, you know, and, and two, you know, if we if we if we kept or, or, or brought in two wing backs who could do that job, you know, I, I, I'm open and adaptable to that. But in terms of style and system, you know, I, I think the pitch pitches we play on, environments we play on are, are heavily you know involved in that. Um hopefully obviously with Hayden Road I think it'll be a lot better this season. We've, we've, we've I think, reappointed a, a head groundsman, which is a huge, huge step for us. Um, so, yeah, you have to, you know, we're not in the Premier League where you're going on carpets and playing on carpets every week. So it's impossible to say, you know, although we do play on quite a few 4Gs, it's impossible to say, uh, you know, exactly how you want to play every week is, is going to be possible. Uh, environments, states of games, opposition, et cetera, et cetera, comes into it. But, 
certainly, you know, I've got a, a way of wanting to play and uh, and that'll be, you know, inputted in, into the players this pre-season. Just over a month since the end of the last campaign, but how have preparations for new campaign gone so far? I know you mentioned earlier on in this episode that it's been uh, very busy, to say the least. Yeah, it's just that. You know, it's been busy. I, you know, I've, I've asked the players who are going to leave the club to try and let me know as quickly as possible. Obviously, we've seen um, a couple of players have gone out already. Um, a few other players have said to me uh, that they're speaking to other clubs and 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 good luck to them, you know, fair play to them. It's it's absolutely their prerogative and it's their careers and they have to look after themselves. And if they feel that they can go and earn more money elsewhere, if they feel they can go and be more successful elsewhere, you know, all I can say to them is, is, is my vision. All I can say to them, all I can offer them is, is what's in my budget. All I can say to them is how we're going to work and uh, try and sell them about the, the new staffing structure and the new things and everything that we're going to put in place off the pitch and how I believe it is a club that want to be successful, how I believe it is a club that is going to be successful this season because I, I'm not going to sacrifice what I'm sacrificing uh, to be part of, of something that doesn't want to be successful or isn't trying to be successful. That's not how I'm built. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to goodness knows how many players from, from outside the club who have uh, both been identified or have been identified by uh, my recruitment team, by myself, uh, by Chris, by um, other members of the, of, the, of, the, of the management team, by players. I've had a number of phone calls from um, former teammates of players who want to be part of the club, which is, which is positive because players, you know, are obviously saying good things about us. Um, and it's just a case of, you know, I understand we're early days still and players are a little bit unrealistic at times about what they might get or what they, they, they feel they should get. Uh, but that will settle down and, and, and I believe we, we restart pre-season 21st of June. Whilst there will be players coming into the club for us to look at and to look at us, um, I do believe we'll, we'll still have a, a core of players who were with us last season and, and some really exciting new players who are going to, um, again, I believe, take us, take us on a level. And, and, and um, as I said earlier, you know, I had 12 games to identify the areas where I wanted to improve and I think the players that I'll bring in will improve that. So yeah, it's been busy. It's been, it's been hard work, but it's been, uh, it's been exciting and it's been, it's been good to be able to, to have a clean sort of slate and be able to uh, implement and, and, and identify and recruit, try and recruit and start the recruitment process of players and the squad that I want to build. Well, over the last few weeks, we've seen a lot of experience leave the club in terms of the playing squad, Liam Dolben and Alex Collard have both gone uh, Scott Carlin on the coaching side of things as well. How do you manage that in the short term and how do you go about replacing them? Well, obviously, you know, Scott Carlin, uh, I think we've, we've, we've obviously Scott and Lee obviously going as well. We've obviously brought in Chris, Chris Wilmot uh, as assistant manager. Chris is uh, incredibly experienced in terms of his playing career, played in the Premier League for Wimbledon, had moves from, you know, for a lot of money from Luton to Wimbledon went back to Luton and played Northampton, Oxford, then non-league with Brackley and Oxford City. One of the, the best guys I ever played with, um, I've said before, the most sensible footballer I ever played with, completely different to any other player I played with in terms of he had, you know, when I played with him, at, I think he was 27, 28, he was settled down. He was, you know, he, if, he, if he came out for a drink, he'd be in the taxi for half 10, you know, he'd, uh, he's just a great guy, a really nice guy. I've got a really settled family. Denise, his wife, and his two lads. He lives in the same house that he lived in when I played with him. He, um, I think, you know, at the time when I signed for Oxford, I I, I, I bought a BMW 5 Series and he had a, a Ford C Max. Um, he's just a, 
he's just a dead sensible fella who's so so committed to, to to everything he does and so focused on everything he does. I've been so impressed with him so far in terms of input. Had a real strong meeting with him and, and Martin last week, or I'll come on to in a minute. But you know, he comes in to replace Lee. Um, obviously, for me, I think Martin Worley probably comes in to to, to replace Scott. Um, if you're looking at sort of numbers, but Martin's role will be slightly different to, to a first team coach. Um, Martin is the head of performance. He'll look after the strength and conditioning, the fitness, the well-being of the players. Uh, he's phenomenal in his field. We're so lucky that it's aligned that we're able to take him on. Um, I worked with him at Accrington Stanley Academy and he was first class in everything he did. So enthusiastic, so level-headed. Again, really, really sensible, really knowledgeable. He, he, the words he uses, you just have to say, just break that down word for me because I haven't got a clue what it means. He, he's, he's fantastic. So, you know, Scott going out of the club, um, he had a lot, obviously a lot of involvement in terms of um, of other areas of the club as well, which meant he wasn't, all, you know, he wasn't always at training and things. And um, so, you know, whilst whilst his experience and his, his um, you know, his time at the club um, were great, and he and he and he obviously it was part of a lot of success for a football club. I believe we've we've recruited on the on the on the staff um, very very well. Uh, I believe we'll be really strong on the staff, and we'll be able to help the players uh, in different areas. I, I think that the, the fitness and strength and condition, the robustness, and the you know we're talking about the warm ups and the things like that will will just go up a whole whole new level. Uh, we're going to bring in GPS vests which Martin will oversee. It was pointless of bringing them in last season because no one could read the data. You know, I can, I can look at a heat map and see where people run and things, but, you know, Martin has worked with, with GPSs for the last hour, goodness knows how many years and understands them and can decipher every bit of information we need to, uh, to understand. So from that point of view, it's next level. Um, and I'm delighted that those, those lads have come in. Um, obviously Scott and, and Lee, great people, great lads. Um, you know, worked really hard for me and, and, and inputted really, really positively on my my short time at the club that they were with me. Um, and I wish them well. They've both gone on to get managerial roles, and I wish them very well. Um, but you know, it's about my new my new management team. Obviously, Bully and uh, Bully and Alex were two hugely influential and experienced players within the playing playing staff, um, and 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 both will. Be missed. They've both, both obviously been uh, announced to have, have signed for, for Tamworth. So um, you know, good luck to them. It happens in football. Players come and go, um, and 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 we have to just you know. I'm, I'm pleased we're we you know we're still in May, and I understand you know, and I understand more about the squad and and who's who's staying and 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 those guys going. Um, you know, it does leave a leave a void. Um, but it's a void that will be filled, and, and I believe it will be filled with players who are capable um, of, of, of filling their their boots and more. So, uh, wish them well, good guys. Um, but I don't, uh, you know, it's not something I'm going to lose sleep over. It's not something I'm going to dwell on. Um, I've already moved on from it. Both of them rang me and told me their decisions, which I appreciate. Um, and, uh, and and again, I wish them well. But uh, it's about what we do now. It's a void, like you say, Andy, but it's a, an opportunity, I guess, in many ways as well. You've already mentioned how you've used your contacts within the game to bring in your own backroom staff for the season ahead. But I guess, obviously, that will come in uh, really useful in terms of you know players as well and being able to, to recruit those. So um, you must be confident that big figures like Bully and Alex can be replaced with targets, but you'll no doubt have in mind and already be working on. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's two really exciting centre halves who I'm speaking to at the moment, uh, who who will come in and be fantastic for the club. Before I came on with you guys, I was speaking to Steve Burr, who's the Hereford assistant manager, who's my assistant manager when I played for England. Um, who was speaking about a player that um, that that worked that he's worked with and and and, and have come on our radar. So the you know, the you know the contacts that I've got and listen, having having over two years. In professional clubs, working on a daily basis in recruitment is was massive for me. It opened so many doors. It it allowed me to 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 hugely understand that part of the game, that part of the management um, system, to be able to contact play, people that I can 
it's it, it's huge. It's massive. Um, the amount of of agents I've got on my phone, and I know agents have got a bit of a of a you know uh, reputation and things. And at this level, people say, well, they don't. You know, players don't need, but some have, and some have got them, and so you have to work with them. And and a lot of the time at this level, they they're not looking for for money. They're just trying to help players out. So uh, with everything I say, you know, let, use them to our benefit, use them to our, you know, and even if they don't look after players, they, they, they point you in the right, right direction. And they're just contacts again, that can open doors and can, um, you know, can any link or any network that you can have in football is massive because you never know who you're going to use. I, you know, I never try never anyway to, to fall out with anybody in football because you never know where you're going to need to knock on their door and you're going to need to ask their advice. There's nothing like, you know, again, speaking to Steve Burr tonight, absolutely. In fact, he's worked with this lad for a number of years. Uh, he's seen him up close every, you know, on on every week for the last hour, you know, two three years. To be able to, you know, we looked at him and and um, and hear him to be able to give us his his take on him is just is massive. So that's what it's all about because it's all very well having seen a player and. Uh, and watched him football-wise, but being able to tap into people's character and find out about their character and their their work ethic and their mentality is absolutely massive. Um, so, yeah, the, the 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 recruitment side of things is in real good place. I said Dom's uh, in terms of the um, the analyst who's, who's cutting things up and 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 using his contacts. Josh, who worked with me as sort of a a number two at Mansfield as as, as when I was head of recruitment. Um, he's working tirelessly to uh, on, on his contacts and, and, and identify players. So we've got we've got masses of lists. We're we've, we're filtering them all the time, um, and we're in a really strong place. It's it's really easy to be. I, I believe it's really easy to be lazy with recruitment uh, and just just talk to players and sign players that you know. Um, football's not about that. It's about it's about tapping into everything that you know and everything that you can find out and and getting the best for the football club because. You know, you might have 10 options, but to have 100 options is better. Uh, and to get the best out of that 100 options is, is going to be better than getting the, the one out of the 10. So well, that's what I believe anyway. Um, it's a huge part. It's the most important part. Recruitment's the most important part of a football club. The players that we sign this season, sorry, this pre-season or this close season, or that we bring in are going to define what season we have. So recruitment's vital. I'm all over it. I'm working hard on it every day from 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. It's and that's not just in the morning. That's eight a.m. to ten p.m. Uh, and over that sometimes. So it's. Um, but I find that exciting. I love that part of it. You know, I, I really do enjoy that part of it. And uh, and that will continue now until uh, that will continue now until the end of March because that's part and parcel of being a manager. And that's an one thing which is good about you brought in because um, I remember actually Alex is not on the podcast tonight. Um, he has a tendency to sometimes when we've seen players coming into the club in the past. So I know who that is. He's played for such and such and such and such. There was a couple of players you brought in, which he had never heard of um, mm-hmm. straight away. I think for a lot of fans, as you just said, if you've got no, if, if there's no inkling that you're going to bring in a particular player in, obviously that gives you an advantage over the other clubs because they're not going to necessarily be looking at that player. So you, we can get in there early to bring that player in and hopefully do the job we're looking for them to do. Yeah, I think Jordan Graham was probably proof of that. You know, as soon as I took this job, Jordan was somebody who I who I uh, who I said straight away I wanted to speak to, and as soon as I spoke to him, um, you know, he said straight away, yeah, I want to, you know, I'd love to do it. So, yeah, that's that's huge. Obviously, you know, the contacts that obviously we brought Lewis Johnson in from MK Dons. Um, those, you know, those contacts in those professional clubs are vital. I think when the when the pre-season schedule gets sent out, you know, we've got some really, really strong uh, pre-season games as well. And that, I, you know, that shows the, the ability we've got to knock on doors at that level and bring players in. Um, so, you know, you know, there's no, there's no real model or, or philosophy or, or, or anything about the recruitment. You know, some, sometimes it'll be a case of dipping down into um, levels, you know, steps four, five, maybe if the player's good enough. But sometimes it'll be going up into the Championship, League One, and and bringing in a younger player from them. You know, there's no written rule. Although I think we will have going forward a obviously a philosophy or a, a part of our DNA will be will identify the type of player we bring in. That has to be open ended because 
it's it's horses for courses at times. Um, you know, sometimes it might be the right time to bring in a step six player who scored 25 goals at that level and give them the opportunity. But sometimes it might be the right thing to bring in, um, you know, a 20, uh, 20, 19, 20 year old from from Luton who who needs a game time and needs an opportunity. So there's no right or wrong. Uh, I don't think um, way of doing recruitment, but I I don't think you can just I don't think you can just flip through your, your contact book and um, and think, oh, he's a decent player. I'll try and bring him in. I think sometimes you have to go outside the box and you have to knock on people's doors and ask questions and um, and do things a little bit differently to try and because there's, there's thousands of players out there. There's thousands of players out there. So to be limited to, to what you know isn't always the best way. And yes, yes, familiar familiarity is good. Uh, and knowing, obviously, I knew Jordan Graham because I worked with him, so that's good. But um, sometimes you do have to you have to work hard to be able to 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 identify players who are good enough to come into your football club. I suppose that's one of the challenges, isn't it? Because you could say, okay, I'll go and sign that player because he's got twenty goals, but if he doesn't fit your DNA, your philosophy, or the club, mm-hmm. or the club's DNA, so yeah, that's yeah. it can be very. That's difficult. the ultimate. Yeah, that's the ultimate thing. Where, wherever you get them from, whether it is the championship or whether it's step six. You have to have a, a real strong um, profile of a player and you have to make sure that they fit into that player, you know, and that that's what we've got. As I said earlier, I touched on earlier, Josh knows, Josh knows, um, excuse my dogs, um, Josh knows uh, the, the the profile of every position that we're in. Um, Josh knows and understands what we're looking for in each position. And those profile, profiles sometimes are difficult because I was asked about, you know, a certain, or we were speaking about goalkeeper today. Um, I'm not saying we need to bring another goalkeeper. I'm just saying we were talking about goalkeeper today, and, and someone said, "What's the profile of a goalkeeper that you want?" And I said, "Well, six foot six, good, good, good shot stopper, good coming for crosses, good distribution, can kick it long, can play short." You know, so it's difficult. Sometimes you have to say, "Well, that if they had all that, they'd be playing in the Premier League and the Champions League and the World Cup." You have to sort of probably start there and then chip away at what you, you know, what you want to work with. Um, so it can be difficult and it can be, a, a, you know, a difficult process in identifying those player profiles. But ultimately, as long as you, as long as the staff and the players that are trying to identify these players know the page that you're on and know that, know the type of player really deep down that you're trying to identify and that you're trying to bring in, and it's not just about playing characteristics; about that you know, character, 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 uh, characteristics as well. Um, and they're they're just as important, if not more important, as uh, the type of footballer that you're trying to bring in. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see which you know new signings come into the club to help bolster the squad in the new season. But I think another thing that supporters will be looking forward to seeing is you know the, the involvement of the youth academy in pre-season and you know players on the scholarship setup as well. You know you've had the likes of Fraser Corden and. Nigel Jacambra in your squad um, during the back end of last season. How much more youth or young players are we expecting to see coming into this uh, pre-season? Yeah, they'll be they'll be huge. You know, I'm all for that. Obviously, as you mentioned, Fraser and Nigel sat on the bench for a couple of games um, towards the end of the season. It probably wasn't the right, or I didn't have the right opportunity to to put them on the pitch. But that was not because they were there to make up numbers. It was because they were good players and they were. They were knocking on the door. I went to watch the 21s at Barwell, and Nigel was the best player on the pitch by a, by a long stretch, in my opinion. And straight away, I'm you know I got him signed on on Southern League forms, and and he was he trained with us every week from there there on. And um, I'm looking for him to kick. You know, he's he's not a young kid, Nigel. He's 21. So listen, everybody's got a different different time that they break through, and some players are later than others. So I've not got an issue with it, but I believe that. At 21, you should be looking to to break into a first team. So that's what I'm looking for, Nigel. But yeah, other players. You know, I went to watch the the scholar the scholars in their cup final at West Brom last week or the week before, and uh, last week it was, and uh, some good performances. Right, they were on the the wrong end of a one nil scoreline, but I thought uh, Louis Pinto was was outstanding, and Louis's been training with us as well with the first team throughout the the season, and and, and I've seen him up close and. He's a good player. Um, there's one or two others in that group who I'm looking to kick on. So I've said to the to the board, you know, I don't want 25, 26 man first team squad. I want maybe 17, 18. And that's supplemented with youth team players and players who are knocking on the door and players that are pushing. 
Um, that's the way it's got to be. There's nothing better than seeing a young player come through from the youth team to play in the first team. We've got a couple now, uh, or two or three now, uh, and, and, and we want more. You know, I was afforded that opportunity at the original football club. Um, you know, I came through the, the, the scholarship or the academy system in terms of the youth team and, and broke into the first team because I was trusted and I was given the opportunity by the manager then. And, and I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't give the young players the chance to do that. But they've got to show the right attitude. They've got to show the right level of um, commitment. They've got to show the right level of ability. You know, nobody, you know, I'm not going to include or, or or put anybody in there who's not ready or who's not right or who's not mentally um, in the in a good place because ultimately it's about results for me. But I am hugely focused on on making sure that the players in our youth academy and the players in our scholarship systems and our youth teams are uh, do do see there is a pathway for them and do see that if they're good enough and they're committed enough and they show the right attitude that that I'll put them in the first team. Like you say, there's role models like Paddy Casey who's been the you know, bedrock of, uh, of our defence last season and, and Will Jones who's been knocking on the door and had some first-team appearances last season, scored a few goals as well. So it must be good for those players, you know, in the academy and in the youth setup to see players like that coming through and think, oh, they can be a role model for me if I knuckle down and work hard like they have as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they're the, they're, you know, they're the type of players that they have to look up to and they have to see and they... They prove the pathway is there. Uh, they prove the opportunity is there as well. You know, and then Nigel and Fraser backing that up as well. Um, and, and you know, again, I'm all for that. I think the academy is is in a good place. It needs, I think, a bit of uh, a bit of pushing. I think it needs a bit of of um, leadership behind it. Um, and I'm looking forward to that happening. And um, and and I'm excited by it. And uh, Again, we've got we've had quite a few younger players training with a first team. Um, I want to I want to make sure that they're included in in pre-season and pre-season friendlies, uh, and they will be. We've got a double header in pre-season, which shows I think the the the, uh, the, the stability and the um, the closeness of the the squads and the teams, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm I'm constantly speaking to Richard Maxwell, who's 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 done a fantastic job with the 21s this season. Um, and uh, and it's in a good place, but uh, you know, 100% there'll be the opportunity if if players um you know if players show 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 they're good enough. I think since we've come up to step three, there's been a lot of varied opinions about where we should be finishing in this division. You know, a lot of people have said let's challenge for playoffs. A lot of people have said let's finish mid table. A lot of people just simply want to stay in the league, but. You know, now that we've had that second full season at this level, we, we've been able to sort of gauge where we're at. We obviously came so close to those playoffs. And g- given how the season ended, do, do you feel as though the target is now clear? You know, top five should be the aim for this football club. I don't want to put... I, I, I know this is going to be a really boring answer, but I don't want to put an aim on it. I don't want to put a target on it. I, I, I want to... The aim, the aim for this group is to win our game on August the 6th. That's the aim for this group. Uh, then it'll be to win the game on August the 12th, whenever the next game is. Um, I, I, I felt, and it's easy for me to say now, but I felt when I came into the club, there was so much talk about playoffs. There was so that it, I just felt it. There was an unnecessary pressure when you say that. I just mm. I, players going out and having to win every game is difficult enough, but to have to then look at the bigger picture and to look at and to think about this and then have to identify well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to focus on a game at a time. And I know that's boring. And I know, you know, people will want us, want me to say, we're going to look to finish in the top five. What I will say is, what I will say is that I want progression and I want us to be better than what we were last season. So that probably answers your question and probably backs up your question. Um, because if we finish higher than we did this season, then we are going to finish in in what you've just you've just mentioned. So, from you know that that's all I'll be sort of drawn on is, is that I want progression and and I think if we finish thirteenth next season, we're taking a backward step because from going from sixth to thirteenth isn't progression. Um, from going sixth to fifth or higher is progression. So, I guess I've contradicted myself a little bit in terms of saying that I want to finish higher than sixth, but 
But in terms of what I'll be saying to the players right the way through is let's just focus on the little details because if we focus on the little de- little details and we focus on winning three points, everything else takes care of itself. You know, the league table will only change if we win three points or one point. So that's got to be our focus. That's got to be our aim. And in and the management team, we, we'll set targets and we'll set aims and we'll try and get so many points in so over game, a certain period of games and things like that. But from the player's point of view, I want us to focus solely on on winning the next game we play in. And then if we do that, the bigger picture takes care of itself. I think it will be stronger, me. I think the teams that are coming across and the teams that are coming up, I think Bedford will be strong. I think Baysford will be strong. Michelover, uh, Ilkeston, uh, I think they'll all be strong. They've all got they've all got big budgets. I think teams like Tamworth are going to be obviously uh, wanting to perform better. Um, I do think, I personally think it's going to be tougher. I think it's going to be more competitive, which is great, which is what we want. We want competitive. We want we want tough, tough uh, opponents every week. We want teams who are going to um, push us. You know that's why we've we've uh, we've built a strong preseason campaign. It's why we've um, you know why we're putting things in place that we are. But yeah, I think um, you know knowing you know knowing Setchuk Bedford, who's brought them up this year, he's somebody who's going to want to go again. He's not somebody when we won when we won promotion from the conference to League Two or Division Three as it was then. It was set to, I remember, put some signs up in the dressing room and the training ground saying, We've, let's kick on now. Um, he's somebody who's really forward thinking. I've no surprise that he's done well as a manager. And um, and they'll be strong. As I said, the other teams that are coming across and, and up are, 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 will be will be very, very competitive. And there'll be teams that you perhaps don't think will be up there that will be a surprise. There's always a surprise package or two. So um, it'll be tough, but... That's again. That's what we want. You want to play good teams. Um, you want you want tough, tough, tough tests every week, and uh, uh, and we want to be playing at a competitive level because it keeps you it keeps you grounded. It keeps you focused. It keeps you on your toes. It means you have to continue to uh, to progress and get better and improve. And that's what we want to do at this football club. I think um, what you said about about progression. It needs to be. It also needs to be the right sort of progression, doesn't it? As well. So, I mean, I was just thinking from the with the club actually how how it's come up through the leagues. Each bit there's always been a different another step actually just to get to that next level and it feels like if we want to play at the highest level possible ideally but to do that you've got to make sure everything is all right and everything's in place and obviously that might take time potentially so obviously where we talk some people might say about doing targets there are things about progression which may happen in other ways which mean you might not quite get there in terms of what you want to do in terms of an SLE table but you might get there the following season because you put the groundwork in to push on that following season. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, progression and and success is is probably subjective. What what as I think Joseph, you know, spoke about earlier. You know, some people some people would perhaps see this season as 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 as, as not a success, finishing outside the playoffs. Some people would have seen finishing outside the relegation zone as progression as progression and success. Some people would have seen finishing tenth as you know, it's subjective. It's what you know. What is success? Is finishing was Jose Mourinho finishing second for Man United success? Well, it wasn't at the time, but in hindsight, it probably was. So, it's you know, it's it's all as I say, subjective. It's all relative. We have got limited resources at the football club. We're fan owned. We, we you know what comes in goes out. We're a non for profit, not for profit organisation, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we have our limitations. I, I totally understand all that. Um, my take on it is that I think progression is. Is is being better than we were last season, and and that might mean, as you, I think, you know, alluding to Scott, is that it might not mean us finishing, you know, or being in and around the playoffs. That might mean us being eighth and ninth and building the foundations ready to go next season and being in the top two the following season or whatever. But um, you know, 
sometimes in football, it's, you know, it's, well, listen, it's all about opinions. It's all about what, um, you know, how people perceive things and, and, and what people take, what people's take are on things. And um, for me, as just as long as, you know, we are, we are competitive, we are entertaining um, and we get, you know, we, we, we give a good account of ourselves, which we will, uh, and we do everything we possibly can to be the best version of we as, of, of ourselves every week, which I'll, I will demand. Man, management staff, playing staff, um, and everybody right throughout the club, and that starts with me uh, leading from the front. Then that's all we can do. And if we fall short, and if we maybe finish lower than we did this year, but we give it everything, and we and we give every last drop of energy and effort then nobody can point a finger. I think, um, you know, it's when we, we can't quite do that, that, that people, or we don't quite do that, that people then um, ask questions and point fingers. Yeah, I was just thinking, because um, one club, which a lot of our fans are quite familiar with, because they have, have a habit of pinching our players, so to speak, is Banbury United, which is also fan-owned. And it's taken them a little while to build up what they've won. And we've seen, obviously, from last season, what the effects of that is not as they get everything in place. And then they won the league pretty much out of counter at one point. So it's just about, as you said, it's just building that progression so that then, yeah, it, then you can achieve your aims. But like, like just like what they've done, now they're going to step two football because they've made sure they've got that progression in various different parts um, in place so they can achieve their ultimate aim. Yeah, definitely. I don't know a massive amount about about Banbury, but I know they've put certain things in place that, that we want to put in place in terms of putting... Uh, uh, a big emphasis on on fitness and, and conditioning and things like that. I think they had a good run in one of the cups, didn't they? That allowed yeah, them to, yeah. to yeah to become financially uh, stable and, and financially have a have a go. It's not as always as easy as that, you know. As as I don't need to you know tell anybody, it's, you know, it's great having money, but you have to spend it in the right way and it has to be utilised in the right way. Um, so yeah, it's you know that certainly Banbury would be a model that that we would look at and, and it's been mentioned to me a few times that, that, you know, the way they've gone about things and the way they've done things and the way they are doing things, um, as it has, has meant that they've, they've won the league easily this season and it has been easily by a number of points. So, um, yeah, I, I totally get that. Scott, you're obviously speaking from a director's point of view, trying to sure. put a, uh, 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 calm me down a little bit. Is that right? Well, it's also kind of that, but it's also just to say to their fans that we all need to pull together, not just obviously on the yeah, pitch, absolutely. pitch, you yeah. know, to get to push on to that next level. Because we're all, you know, the, even obviously the board of fans, obviously we're quite grounded. You know, we still yeah, want to push the club higher on, but obviously what we've got to do is balance that obviously with what we can do. And we need yeah. it's, it's going to take an effort from all of us to do it, but it's certainly something which is achievable as long as we put the work in and actually to achieve it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, fully agree. Well, Burge, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you tonight, but we are coming to the end of the episode. Just one more thing before we go. Have you, have you got a message for the Diamonds fans as we build up to the start of the new season? Um, firstly, you know, thank you for the support they gave us last season. Um, this, you know, this, to, to hear one Andy Burgess again, I know it's cheesy and corny, but to hear that again was nostalgic and uh, and 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 brilliant from a personal point of view it generally was you know I never thought I'd hear it again and, and my kids believe now that you used to sing it quite often uh Nem Park um so to to hear that again was special um the new song as well um to you know it, to hear the boys singing it in the in the in the bar at um at Lowestoft after the game was 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 good um so so thank you for the support not you know not only for me uh, but for the players as well, it's usually appreciated. Uh, and I'd say just, you know, stick with us. You know, I think, you know, it's easy to get a little bit, you know, concerned maybe when certain players leave football clubs. But trust me, um, there's huge work going on uh, behind the scenes on a on a on an hour by hour basis by a lot of people to to make sure that August the sixth we're stronger, we're fitter, we're more ready, we're more organised, um, we're, we're we're better suited to my my style and my vision, um, and and just you know get behind us as, as best you can, 
get to as many. I know it's difficult and it's a, there's lots going on in the world at the moment, but get to as many games as you can and be heard as much as you can and support the lads as much as you can. Um, as long as I'm manager, I'll make sure that everybody out on the pitch will give absolutely everything for the cause. Everybody off the pitch in my management team will give everything to the cause. Um, and, and genuinely, it's, it gives everybody a lift when, when you walk out on, on, on a game, whether you're at Hayden Road or you're away and you see a person in a shirt and you see a flag or a scarf, uh, you hear the noise. It, it gives everybody a lift. And, uh, you know, fans have got a massive part to play. You know, we'll do everything we can, but fans have got a huge part to play in terms of getting behind us as, as they have and, uh, and supporting us. You know, there's, you know, they're called supporters for a reason and, and, hundred percent you know they're they're well within their rights to to show their disappointment and and show their frustration when things don't go right um but as much as they can I'd ask them to to get behind us and and um we have got a young squad we've got some young players who who need their their backing um and uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing as many of you both both old and new at uh, Hayden Road next season. Well, Bird, thanks ever so much for your time. It's been great having you on the Russian and Ranting podcast and we're very much looking forward to seeing yourself and the team in the new season. And of course, thank you to you guys for tuning in. As always, be sure to come follow us over on our socials. Just type in Russian and Ranting on Twitter and Instagram. But in the meantime, look after yourselves, folks, and we'll see you all again very soon with another episode. Take care, everybody. And as always, come on, you diamonds.